Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the China Care Podcast. This is Chi Chi, and this is Lily. Now that we have published a couple of episodes on this podcast, we think it is time that we officially introduce China Care Club. In this episode, the presidents and the committee chairs of China Care Club will discuss some of the things we do. Washington University in St. Louis is committed toward developing an interconnected and passionate group of young people who are dedicated towards building a better future. That dedication to serve our society starts at supporting our local community. China Care Club is one of the many clubs on the WashU campus that seeks to serve the St. Louis area. Our mission statement is to bring comfort and stability to the lives of potential adoptees in China, to build connections between local adoptees and their heritage. And to provide guidance as they establish their own identities. Today, we have China Care's presidents Alec Huang and Grace Zhou with us to talk about some of the things China Care is passionate about. All right, so you guys are China Care's presidents. So, what does China Care mean to you? Uh, well, personally, I joined China Care my freshman year, and I really wanted to get involved in volunteering as well as like stay connected and I guess learn more about Chinese culture. And China Care really helped me accomplish both. So I was able to meet a lot of kids and dumplings and make crafts and also have like a lot of fun with them, which was a super fulfilling experience to me. And on top of that, I was also able to、um, build friendships with people outside of my major, which can be kind of hard for a BME because it's like just so much effort and so much time has to be put into all the BME classes. Yeah. So similar to Alec, I was also looking for service opportunities to get involved with my freshman year, and China Care China Care gave me the opportunity to make an impact on the greater St. Louis community while also learning about Chinese culture. And I really love being able to collaborate with other students who share the same interests and passions as me. Since you've joined China Care and since you guys became president, what has changed about the club? Mm -hmm. So one of our goals for China Care this year was to increase the name recognition and publicity for the club.、Mm -hmm. So to do that, we created two、uh, public relations chairs、uh, who are now in charge of posting on social media and advertising for our events. So this streamlines the process of communicating China Care's mission to the public.、Mm -hmm. So that shifts the responsibility away from individual committee chairs, so they can focus on their own like events. So we. Um, even though we created these、uh, chairs, we still hope for China Care to have a greater presence on campus in the future. I'm here with Brian Low.、Uh, he is the committee chair for the Dumplings Committee. How are you, Brian? I'm really good, thank you. Yeah, that's nice to hear. So you're in. You're the chair of the Dumplings Committee. Can you tell us a little bit about what the Dumplings Committee do? What you, who you interact with, and what activities you do? Yes, the Dumpling Committee interacts with Chinese adoptees aged three through ten, and their families in the St. Louis area. Our goal at Dumplings is to teach our Dumplings kids about Chinese culture through engaging playgroups with fun interactive activities. Our playgroups are held every two to three weeks for two hours. We plan our playgroups every semester to have overarching themes such as seasons or cities in China, and then past activities that the kids have enjoyed, including making lanterns out of paper, panda out of clay, and we even made biang biang noodles from scratch once. During our unprecedented times during this pandemic, we shifted our format onto Zoom, and our activities mainly focus on crafts. Like for our last playgroup, which was summer themed, we made paper dragon boat, fragrance sachet. For one of the、um, 
summer festival of Dragon Ball Festival. And we also made watermelon fan. Wow, that sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how do you describe the impact uh, that Dumplings Committee and the playgroups have on the kids? Dumplings focuses first and foremost on creating a space where our dumpling kids are able to be themselves and be able to connect with Chinese traditions and culture. We try to maximize the one-on-one -on -one time that our committee members have with the kids, such that the kids are able to really bond with both each other in group activities and the committee. Our playgroups are aimed to be more social, fostering a learning environment that is as meaningful as an academic one, without the same pressure, of course. have the committee chairs for the chopsticks committee here with us um angela and jaria thank you so much for joining us today hello yeah thanks for having us so before we start can you quickly describe what chopsticks does as a committee yeah so chopsticks is the mentoring branch of china care and what we do is every single year we pair up like middle school to high school aged local Chinese adoptees with college students who are usually like freshmen or sophomores. So we have a mentor and a mentee who will basically be together for the next like three or four years that they're going to be in college. And yeah, so basically what the mentors do is during these four years, they just kind of answer any questions, develop a bond, kind of be this Asian American role model that these um, adoptee kids may not have in their families and in their communities. So yeah, I think it's a pretty special type of mentorship program. Like any mentorship program is special, but Chopsticks especially so. So working very closely with children. And I know that there's another committee in China Care Dumplings who also work closely with children. Can you talk about what's the difference between Chopsticks and Dumplings? Um, yeah, so I was actually a part of uh, the dumplings committee, as well as chopsticks in the past. And I think the two, um, although they both focus on like Chinese culture and like smaller, younger children, I think um, they differ in that chopsticks is a lot more independent. Like we give a lot of freedom uh, to our mentors um, and in what they want to do with their mentees. It's kind of up to their, you know, it's up to them at their discretion. Um, so our focus isn't really large playgroups like Dumplings is where everybody comes together. We um, care more about like honing those individual relationships um, so that our mentors and mentees are like have a deep bond. Um, also, I would say that Dumplings, um, like in Dumplings playgroups, we teach the kids more about like Chinese culture, like the foundational stuff. Whereas in Chopsticks, we sort of, um, I guess, highlight identity and like what it means to be an Asian American or a Chinese American and like we share our experiences. Um, so yeah. You talk a lot about the mentorship uh, relation between you and the, and the kids. So can you guys describe maybe a little bit more in detail about what this really means? Yeah, so I feel like mentorship is different to everyone, but for me, and I know for a lot of other Chopsticks mentees, it's about being a listener and kind of being open to basically any questions. 
that these mentees may have, a kind of no judgment growth zone situation where we're here to listen and give advice, but we don't judge and we don't like patronize and be like, you know, it's not like that, it's like this, you know, like we don't do any of that. Um, in our experience, it's always been more like, just cause race and identity, like all these kind of things are such difficult topics that it's really, really important for our mentees to be comfortable with us and to trust us. And so kind of, you know, it's important that we're like happy-go-lucky and we're like good friends with them, but also that we're always prepared to whenever they come to you about like problems with racism or kind of identity questions about the trials and tribulations of growing up Asian American, that we have these answers for them because their white parents usually don't. So yeah, we get to watch them grow and also help them with that along the way. And we as mentors during this process also learn a lot. Uh, sounds like you know, your, your committee does a lot of activities both on campus and off campus, um, all the times in person to really form that close bond with them. So how you, uh, do you maintain this type of connection during a pandemic where you can't necessarily see each other in person? Yeah, that's a great question. I think remote bonding is definitely challenging. And last semester, which was our first remote semester, we definitely saw our mentors kind of struggle with that. Um, but what has definitely been helpful is like collaboration among the mentors. Um, like instead of doing one-on-one -on -one meetings with your mentee, which can sometimes be a little like mentally taxing because it's a lot of pressure on you to like keep your mentee engaged for like an extended period of time on your own. So instead of doing that, we've kind of shifted to more doing like group bonding activities. Um, Dre and I held our first virtual office hours, I think last weekend and just a bunch of mentors and mentees like came into our office hours and just hung out in like a very chill, low pressure um, environment. And I think like doing small play groups with other mentor mentee pairings is definitely helpful and takes the like the burden off of our mentors. Um, and we do like random activities like play games, movie screening, stuff like that, just like mm -hmm. to keep everybody um, connected in like a virtual uh, environment. Are there any new directions um, chopsticks might take in the future? So one thing that it's always kind of been an issue in Chopsticks, I would say, is that because all of the Chopsticks mentees stick with us for like three to four years, they, as they get a little older, a lot of the activities that we're, we're doing, as they're more catered toward like the middle school kids in Chopsticks, the older kids kind of feel left out sometimes. They're like, you know, like this is my third year in chopsticks. I've done the same activity in the past three years. Don't want to do it again. And so one thing that Angela and I are doing this semester and last semester that was pretty new is we're introducing more like educational components about like identity, like such as introducing um, like role models who are like Asian American adoptees like Leah Lewis or um, Lana Condor, like we're introducing these people in our large playgroups play in order to kind of get the older kids more connected to chopsticks because, you know, they're older. They can kind of talk a little more 
and be more invested in talks about identity and about like who they want to become, that kind of stuff. So for next semester and onwards, it would be super cool if we just kind of keep introducing more of these resources and role models and kind of more complicated topics into chopsticks that we don't usually talk about. Um, I think that that will really definitely benefit a lot of the older kids and also for the younger kids to be exposed to these kind of talks a little early on. Next, we have fundraising committee chairs here. Hi, do you want to introduce yourself and your committee? Hi, I'm Tori. I'm one of the co-chairs on the fundraising committee, and our particular committee focuses on raising money for One Sky, which is the organization that pairs orphan children with China Care mentors, and we usually do this through various on-campus fundraisers. Can you talk a little bit about what One Sky does? Sure. Hi, I'm Julia. I am also a co-chair. Um, One Sky does work in orphanages and for child welfare in general in different parts of Asia. In China, it helps orphan children with special needs by funding their medical care, such as cleft palate surgery, and helping them find permanent foster families. And it also provides financial support to rural families. Um, One Sky also develops affordable early childhood intervention models and it trains caregivers on how they can transform young lives. Can you describe a little bit about the impact of fundraising committee and the work that you do on those orphanage children in China? So the money that we raise goes directly to One Sky and it helps support One Sky's work that they do for their children. Uh, so our fundraisers support the work they do to ensure that ch children have the health care and loving families they need. And we tend to usually raise over about $1,000 uh, $1, a year, sorry. Sounds like pretty big impact you're making in China. So how, um, what kind of activities do you do on campus or outside of the campus to raise money for, for the orphanage children? In the past, we typically held bake sales. Now, due to social distancing restrictions, um, we've been trying new types of fundraisers. For example, uh, last semester, we held a virtual movie night where we also allowed people to buy movie snacks as well. And in our most recent fundraiser, we sold Valentine's Day cards and treats for people to pick up. Yeah, social distance definitely made traditional ways of fundraising a lot difficult, a lot more difficult. So right now, as we are coming out of the pandemic and things are getting better, um, do you see any new opportunities that you want to capture? Any new directions that you think your committee is wanting to take in the future? Yeah, so in the past, we had a very strong structure of sort of three main fundraisers per semester, and they were all like on campus. Uh, tabling in person where people can walk up and um, buy from the table or place an order to be delivered. But now seeing after the pandemic, we're slowly starting to pivot um, towards a new direction, which is opening an online shop that would be ongoing for all years, um, all year round. And we plan on selling mugs, stickers and other merch with China Care style illustration prints. The last but certainly not least component of China Care is the Advocacy Committee. This is the committee that Chi Chi and I are a part of. 
ChinaCare members and all of its wonderful committees do a lot of meaningful work for the local St. Louis community. Without someone there to advocate our message and what we do, ChinaCare won't be able to have had as profound of an impact as it had so far. Yes, in a normal semester, the Advocacy Committee organizes advocacy events and several GBMs for WashU students, faculties, as well as local families with adoptees. Our events aim to spread awareness of issues of identity, stereotypes, and ethnicity among Asian minorities and transnational adoptees. So for example, one semester we organized an event, uh, a movie screening event where we showed this movie that talks about the story of four adoptees adopted from Asian countries. And we had a very meaningful discussion following the movie. In a wake of COVID-19, our activities are now switched to virtual settings. You're actually listening to one of our projects right now, this podcast. Yeah, despite all the difficulties of this past year, we hope that this podcast will continue to bring awareness to identity and ethnicity issues China Care usually focuses on. Uh, Hopefully in the next few months, things will return back to normal and we can continue to host some more in-person events in St. Louis, but fret not, this podcast is here to stay. Now that we have talked to some of our committee chairs about what China Care has been doing so far, we wanted to ask our presidents about what is going to be changing. So with the global pandemic bringing many structural changes to the WashU community, what are your plans for China Care in the future? So in the future, we really want to unify everyone in China Care and really in- emphasize intercommittee interactions. And um, that was one of our goals for this year, but because of COVID, it was really difficult to do this. So hopefully after COVID gets better, we'll be able to do more in-person events across committees. And our goal with this is to build a close-knit community of students that share a passion for Chinese culture and service. Our goal to this close-knit community and uh, of COVID, um, how has our interaction with adopted families um, changed in the face of COVID? um, And how will we reformat our activities in the future because of that? Mm -hmm. So because of COVID, all of our activities and events have all been shifted online. And out of all the clubs at WashU, this transition is probably easier for us since our club can still function online pretty well, um, even through Zoom. So our playgroups and our advocacy events are now done through Zoom and our fundraisers are like mostly virtual. Um, Are there any additional challenges coming up that you anticipate and how do you guys plan to address them? Yeah, so like Alex said, all of our stuff is online. So we think that one issue that we'll face is motivation and excitement within the club because it's really hard to feel involved when everyone's participating over Zoom and it's only natural for our members to feel less interested in what they're doing because they don't really see the impact directly of their work. So um, even in future semesters, when things get better, this would still be a challenge that we'll have to confront. So hopefully we find ways to increase involvement and bonding in the future. We want to thank all of our guests for sharing with us their own experience creating a positive impact in the St. Louis Asian community through the China Care Club. We will wrap up our conversation with some of our guests' favorite China Care memories. Our freshman year, Alec and I were on dumplings committee together, and our favorite memory from this was when we made pork and green onion dumplings with the children. Um, All the committee members came early and prepped the filling beforehand and then helped the kids wrap them. Yeah, and the children really 
uh, enjoyed making and eating the dumplings. So it was really exciting teaching them how to wrap them and like making the sauce for them afterwards. It was just overall a really fun experience. This is not exactly a happy experience, but definitely a memorable one. So we were doing one of those things, like Angela mentioned, where we go to the loop and we grab boba. And it was like a group of us, mentors and mentees, like I think four or three, three or four pairs of us. And some just like random passerby guy just like shouted some pretty ugly racist stuff toward us. And it was like pretty groundbreaking for all of us. It was like, whoa, what's going on? And like as mentors, we kind of had to like talk to our mentees and kind of like, like we like it was pretty hard on all of us and i since i was in charge of chopsticks at the time i had to send a lot of emails to um to fcc to the mentors to the parents just to make sure that everybody's okay but i would say that after that was over my mentee actually opened up to me and said that like she had experiences in school where people would say racist things to her and not realize or a lot of microaggressions and she doesn't really know how to deal with them and so I kind of just like sat her down and we just kind of talked about our shared experiences with racism and how to deal with that and ended up I think that it actually brought us closer so that was definitely not exactly pleasant but very memorable one of my favorite memories is um, near the beginning of the semester, the year, the school year. Usually, I think more specifically last year, since we were still in person, we would all play a few card games for everybody to get to know each other, the new members, and for the old members to get to know them as well. And um, we would play games like Cards Against Humanity. Um, we would play monikers, and um, I think. Uh, Subtle Asian Traits, the Facebook group, also released their own version of Cards Against Community, so we played that as well, and it's fun to see everybody open up and get really into it. My favorite memory um, is, it's pretty similar. Uh, it's, I just really love the memories of gathering all together to bake for our bake sales, and um, yeah, during these, when we baked, we would often play those card games my favorite advocacy memory has got to be the Sparks and Rec event from a few semesters back. We invited local adoptee families to the WashU campus for a night of games and performances related to Chinese culture. And the best part was when we ended the night with s'mores. My favorite advocacy memory was an event that we hosted several years ago called Speak Up We Belong. It is a panel discussion of several members in the Asian community sharing their stories and challenges they face as a minority. We even flew someone in from Kansas City and being able to create this safe space for people to be vulnerable in felt incredibly fulfilling to me. Uh, I always remember this one kid from our playgroup sister who was always so excited for each playgroup. He would often hold out his massive for art craft in the camera and show whichever committee members were present on the same screen at the time. The really fun part though, is that he would always be the last one to leave the session. Every kid would log off and he would stay on the screen chatting and laughing with us. Sometimes we would have to actively lock him off because he just wouldn't leave. Even his mother said that this was the time he looked forward to most each month. And he was so happy every time he attended the session. 
called it the mother. <laughs> I guess that really shows how powerful dumpling can be for any kid. Thank you for tuning in. We have an excellent lineup of episodes coming up. Topics ranging from Asian musicians' album reviews to deep conversations relevant to the things happening in the Asian community right now. We hope to see you soon.